0: Welcome along, uh, this, I'm Danny Hick and I'm um, the facilitator of the podcast and today I've got Mark Scown who's come along and he did a presentation at Elite Six, our business networking company this morning and I just thought it was great value to us and I asked him if he'd stay around afterwards and redo the presentation but try to talk it into a, a podcast. So here we are, so welcome Mark. Thank you. And just tell us just briefly your background and who you are.
1: Right, I'm into my fourth year now of being an insurance broker, which is pretty topical given the coronavirus, and I've had quite a number of um, uh, calls from clients in terms of coverage and things like that, so I might have a chance to briefly talk about that at the end, but my background uh, up until I um, entered this profession was uh, school principal for 30-odd years, Uh, so complete uh, uh, change. Um, But I'm passionate about what I do, and uh, part of what I've been doing uh, within Elite Six has been sharing some of my knowledge that I've acquired. Um, I have a bit of a research background, and certainly uh, the nature of um, the the COVID-19 presentation I did today was really to allay some fears that are out there and the hysteria. So... um, We'll we'll go through that, and I'll try and verbally describe some of the graphics that I presented.
0: Cool. Now, you when you were the headmaster of the school, that school actually got shut down, and you would have gone through the crisis. You had fifty staff to
1: manage. Yes, yeah, so I was. I was one of the twenty-eight schools that were forcibly closed, and in fact, one of the largest ones. Um, so, did have a three-year transition period where we went to closure. So. Uh, dealt with a lot of human emotions about um, losing their roles, positions, jobs, and um, welfare for children. So that was one of my extended roles as our, our principal at that time.
0: Mm. So we, we're sort of going to, uh, I don't know how Donald Trump would say it, but unprecedented, unprecedented, I can't even say the word, mm. but we're changing our whole strategy as of next week. So w- after listening to the feedback, people really want some good, solid, uh, solid advice, of things they can do to help out, and I really did think your presentation was ace on just sort of satisfying the uncertainty. One thing that yeah. I'm really struggling with at the moment is when we had the earthquake, we all got involved in the community, and we went and saw our neighbours. Now we're going through what could be the biggest upheaval the world has had for a long time. Yeah. Everyone's telling us to isolate ourselves. Yeah. And personally, putting those two things together, concern, worry, uncertainty, and isolating yourself is a recipe for disaster. Mm. And I think the virus won't get us, but the after-effects will. Yeah, yeah. So you, with your presentation, I'm not going to take your limelight, but you did break it into three mm. points, and I want yeah. people to, when they're listening to this, think of the three points that Mark is talking about and really think how they affect you mm. or how you can help someone else by giving them some good, sound advice. Yeah. And this information is, is Mark will tell us where he got it from, and I'll just run us through your PowerPoint presentation that we can't see.
1: Sure. And I and I did start off that in some ways the COVID-19 is a pandemic in three forms. You know, one is clearly the, the virus itself. The other one is the, the pandemic of um, the economic crisis that's hitting the world. And I think the third one, and it's one that I'm um, really wanting to address through the presentation, is the um, pandemic of panic and hysteria and anxiety Um, because there's a lot of information out there um, and there's a lot of gossip and innuendo and fear. Um, So as I go through this I hope to allay some of those and put things in perspective and and use some of the numbers um, and statistics uh, that lie behind it. So most of the information that I've used comes from a a ZME science article. Uh, from March 11th, so it's pretty topical, but in these changing times um, things are happening on a daily basis, Uh, for instance uh, Italy in the last 24 hours has recorded the highest number of deaths in a day which was uh, 450 odd, Um, so that sort of information is not captured in in the nature of the presentation that I've um, done. Um, So most of the information that I've utilised has come out of uh, China, who uh, uh, have responded pretty well um, given that that's been seen as the epicentre, almost starting at the beginning of the year, reaching to the point uh, where we are uh, now. So interestingly, um, the information that's coming out this stage is that the The people who have been infected with COVID-19 are pretty well evenly split um, uh, male-female, so it's not a a gender issue. Um, Most cases uh, they're found are mild, so 80% 80 are considered mild, and that's comparable to the flu. Uh, 14% are classified as severe, and less than 5% are deemed to be uh, critical. So what we have been seeing is that it is um, dangerous for the elderly. Certainly the information coming out of the hotspots of China, um, northern Italy and Spain have been that the greatest range of uh, fatalities have been in the older age groups and interestingly children under 10 um, whilst some have uh, contracted um, coronavirus there has been no deaths from this age range so it doesn't mean to say that children are immune but the likelihood of death seems to be um, highly unlikely
0: yeah that's great eh?
1: yeah no that's good Um, the significant um, ages that um, there is an increasingly high um, death rate uh, for people over uh, 60 and in fact from 60 through to age 80 they are occupying the predominant number of uh, deaths worldwide. So if we looked at um, you know the percentage of fatalities by age um, less than 1% typically running through to about age 40. Into the 40s to 50s, you're still under 5% of the people who have been infected are actually dying. But once you get into the 60 age range through to 80 plus, uh, you're looking at as high as 30%. So 30%
0: of people between the ages of 60 and 80 are possible that if they got the disease, they could die or have died. Yeah,
1: but the the emerging information, just to sort of put a, a further perspective on it, uh, has been that um, uh, of comorbidities, which basically means they've got other associated diseases or ailments or issues. Um, in China, um, because of both pollution and high smoking rates, uh, a lot of people have compromised respiratory um, uh, diseases. And I've just found out, as recently in the last 24 hours, that in northern Italy, that's um, a major industrial area. Northern Italy has, in fact, the highest the highest range of um, uh, pollution uh, in that area, and so as a consequence, they too have uh, respiratory uh, problems. So. Um, comorbidity uh, is the, the name of that. So people who are more aged, or who have uh, younger age but have respiratory conditions, um, cancer, diabetes, other ailments like that, they are more statistically likely I think, to. Um,
0: yeah, I think most of us are yeah. quite aware that yeah. because they think so. Anything over sixty, and you've got other. Conditions, conditions, you uh, are probably more likely to stay away and isolate yourself from people yeah. who could be contagious.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how deadly is it? Um, the, the data that's showing up now, and, and um, unfortunately you can't see the graphic that I have here, but if you were to imagine a, um, a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, um, the vertical axis registering the percentage of people who die out there. You'll find that um, bird flu and Ebola and MERS uh, in the past have been um, have a, had a significantly high percentage of people who die. In fact, you know, Ebola was fifty percent rate of death. Um, conversely, uh, across the horizontal axis, you have the spreadability of uh, a virus and probably the viruses that we all know that spread most readily um, chickenpox measles and the norovirus, so they are highly contagious. Where does COVID-19 lie? Well, it, it actually lies pretty much down in the, in the centre. So at, the, at this stage, it's got a um, you know, death rate of under um, 3%. And in terms of transferability, it's it's no more active, really, than the common cold or uh, flu. So, I've tried to put a perspective on to that in terms of of potential risk. And I guess we're in uh, in the current time, and um, where social media works so rapidly that the the news of this virus and how countries have responded to it. Has been almost um instantaneous across the world so people's awareness of it
0: i think that is um social media is really just it's terrible i mean it's just so amplified yeah and i mean yes it's good to be informed but somebody dies 10 seconds later it's all over everywhere yes yeah awareness yeah which
1: adds fear right yeah that, that would be what i'd say too you know through that awareness um you get a whole range of people's reactions from people and I'd like to think that I'm like that where you sort of try and rationally unpack the information you're getting versus those people who um, become particularly anxious or fearful
0: I, I used to have horses with my wife and we used I used to call it hurry up and wait and mm. we'd spend the whole day preparing the horse for the show jump yeah. and then the horse would stop at the first jump yeah and it's over yes
1: so, in terms of of where do, does COVID nineteen rank amongst those um, uh, diseases that are um, out there in the world right at the moment? Um, you know, on a on a per day basis, TB still kills three thousand people per day in the world, and hepatitis B is not too far behind with two thousand four hundred uh, people. Um, Rotovirus, which is a, a dysentery based uh, disease, you know, that's, that's killing 548, particularly children in, in um, poorer nations, each day.
0: And that, that would be the one you'd need the toilet paper for, wouldn't that, it?
1: That would be the sole one you'd need. Yeah, the, not the toilet. This one. Absolutely. If you note that. Yep. But interestingly, seasonal flu uh, kills uh, worldwide 1,027 people per day. Now, if we're putting COVID-19 into perspective, on average, up to this point in time, it's killing uh, f- 56 people per day.
0: I think, and, I think that's what's in the back of people's mind, though, and it? It's all yes. very well using the stats now, yep. but the potential and the hype of the media and all that. Yes,
1: and and, and certainly the news of the 450 dying in Italy just yesterday um, will change some of these figures. But in, in the big picture... Um, coronavirus is not high up on on the scale there's far more deadlier things that are that we almost take as second nature um, that are killing more people worldwide it doesn't mean to say we don't take the precautions that we're doing and i think um new zealand particularly has been responsive uh, and responsible and in, in, um, in reacting to the particular need at the time So You know in terms of what can we do about it clearly there's it's well advertised you know we stay at home if we are feeling ill we self-isolate if we are feeling that ill that we need to see a doctor uh, the clear advice is that we just don't uh, head off to our gp we call either the 0800 helpline uh, or your um GP's office and ask them because there are protocols in place at medical centres to receive you if you are presenting with coronavirus-like symptoms. Uh, And that's very important because we don't want to um, end up as we did uh, a week or 10 days ago where a a person presented at the North Shore Hospital in Auckland and uh, subsequently 48 of their hospital staff had to be stood down for a two-week Go period. Now if that was to be replicated across every health centre in the country, um, within a week or two we wouldn't actually have any uh, health providers there to help us, so that's one of the key things we need to do. Clearly if uh, we cover up co- coughs uh, and sneezes, uh, we avoid touching our face with unwashed hands, we clearly need to regularly through the day uh, wash our hands.
0: Isn't that good though that we should have all been doing that already? Absolutely. We, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yep.
1: And I guess the big thing that is, is arising for me is that we shouldn't panic about this. It's uh, all. little
0: bit about Captain Mannering. Captain
1: yeah, don't, don't, yeah, I, don't panic, Captain Mannering. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's the sort of thing. You know. So as of today, nineteenth of March, New Zealand has uh, twenty confirmed cases. Uh, most They're of not those. Not Kiwi, so are they? Pardon? They're not Kiwis. Not all Kiwis. Oh. Some of them are returning Kiwis. So all of them have either um, just recently come back uh, to New Zealand, or they are living in close proximity to a person who's just travelled back from overseas. So that would explain um, why, we, why we have not completely shut our borders, but for everyone coming in since Sunday just gone, has to put themselves into a two-week Uh, quarantine period and I certainly can understand that and and by and large I'm hearing that there's probably a a 99% compliance rate with that. Uh, Clearly other implications has been that Air New Zealand has uh, uh, shut down 85% of its uh, overseas uh, international travel. You
0: you mentioned about the, the, the world, I think it's quite relevant to the They've got over to, to park these planes. You said yeah. in the meeting today.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, that was an issue that I heard in the media just this morning from an airline pilot was that um, various airports around the world are struggling to be able to accommodate all of these parked up aircraft. Mm. Uh, and as you said, Danny, it's a little bit like the um, September 11. That 24 hours after that happened, when all of the United States uh, airports closed down and, and um, all of these airf- air- airports were filled with aircraft. So that's uh, just a, a bit of a pride, byproduct of um, uh, what's happening out there.
0: So you might be able to look at flight radar and see no cluster of airplanes in the sky. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yes, that
1: should be. said there's you should...
0: a million people in the air at a time, is that right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Wow.
1: You know, in any one hour, there's a million people up in the air. Wow. Mm. All right. Um, anyway, so also we've uh, announced a... Um, a government package to uh, provide assistance for uh, people, and I'm certainly not going into the detail here, but that's uh, out there and, and well worth a look, uh, and already we're noticing that there is a severe uh, impact on hospitality and tourism and those associated um, sectors. And, of course, we have sports fixtures closed. And and, and the discussion this morning was, you know, why aren't they closing schools? Because, you know, 640 schools across the country have more than 500 students. Because mum and dad
0: won't be able to work or go to the hospitals and look after people?
1: Well, yeah, part part of that. And, and in fact, in the last uh, 24 hours in the UK, Boris Johnson has announced that all... um, British schools will close come this Friday. Uh, and the only schools that will be left open over there are certain um, designated schools where they will educate the children of health workers.
0: Well,
1: that's great. Um, well, and that's pretty scary. And, and it's really, I think, because the UK were a bit slow in getting on to this. I'd hate to think that, that would uh, um, occur in New Zealand. Uh, and just this morning, the, the Secretary of Health um, uh, said that until we actually get a community spread in any given location, they won't consider closing schools. And they are still reflecting on, um, you know, if we were to have an outbreak in, in Christchurch, whether that closure would actually just impact you know, Christchurch or Canterbury schools rather than rolling it out right across the country. Because we don't know, and and we're um, already seeing evidence of it in Italy where the whole country's shut down and now starting to see it in um, uh, the UK, is that you don't know how long you actually will have to isolate the population it could be the two week suggested periods that you know our isolation quarantine periods are stated for but what happens if it goes on for weeks and weeks or even months what will that do to you know people's mental health and and welfare let alone their businesses and and stuff
0: how long does it take for an oil tanker to stop in the ocean
1: Probably three or four kilometres if it's fully laden. Seven, seven. Yeah.
0: Imagine that. Yeah. And I think that's the economy that we have yeah. to slow it down and then speed it back up again. Unfortunately, as much I said to somebody this morning, unfortunately we're on a roller coaster ride. You can either scream your head off or be terrified or hold the hand of the person sitting beside you, mm. and we're just along for the ride now. Yeah. And the media um, and all that will actually amplify this because they want the you to click on their adverts. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so so um, a- absolutely true. And I think it's it's being able to access the good advice out there, not being overly reactive, taking those um, basic and necessary necessary health precautions around your own personal health and and um, whether you have any coughs and sneezes and so on. Um, But I would suggest that the the further impacts that we have as I sort of come to a close here is clearly a a worldwide recession um, uh, is occurring. It's going to have severe and long-ranging consequences. Um, Many commentators out there are already already signalling that. And certainly in New Zealand, uh, the hospitality and tourism industries are, are already bearing the brunt of that. Uh, So some business sectors and operators will experience severe financial losses if not go out of business. Mm -hmm. There will be um, uh, quite significant job losses from those sectors as well. But I think that one of the legacies, and we certainly saw it after the um, Christchurch earthquakes, is the deterioration of mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, those people who didn't do well after the earthquakes in terms of anxiety, depression, um, post-traumatic stress disorders I would suggest won't do particularly well now so we probably all know one or two of those sorts of people so I'd be suggesting strongly that we reach out to support them as early as possible Mm -hmm. uh, not wait until they show signs of falling apart Mm. because they're already um, feeling the stress. And we are certainly hearing that in the conversations um, with others. And we certainly notice it with the panic buying within supermarkets Mm. where, you know, toilet rolls are...
0: I did a post on my Facebook page last night about uh, Helen went to the supermarket, my partner, took a whole lot of photos, and I grabbed those photos, put them on my Facebook page, and I said, well, is everyone enjoying the zombie apocalypse? Mm-hmm. Do Has it really come down to the fact that we're more worried about worrying about ourselves than our neighbour? No. And I've been in building communities quite a while now. So it make, makes sure you think about it. Some suggestions that I think would work well, if your neighbour is quarantined, then it'd be nice to put some sort of either sign or flag on your letterbox and drop food at the door if you have to. If you've got surplus food, sitting there, look after each other. You can still be a community, even though people might be isolating themselves. And I've been trying to battle on as normal, but I'm on this roller coaster with everyone else. Mm. I've been running our business networking groups as normal. Tomorrow we'll run our last Think Tank meeting, uh, and then after that I'm going to set up a, a mobile studio. We're going to run our meetings at The Mill in Addington, which is a new... Uh, shared office space called Genius Coworking it's one of our members and what I'm asking business people to do if they've got like you just did now something of value that they can share to give some people some practical advice Mm. then we're going to run our meetings at 7.30 and 9.30 from Tuesday uh, right through to Friday and people can come along to those meetings and be face to face with us we'll have a Zoom uh, conference set up and people can tune in and they can ask questions in the chat box about real problems and we'll have real people who want to help. We've got a, 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 mind, a brilliant minds in Elite mm. 6 mm. and people sincerely want to help each other yeah. and we don't have that me-first first attitude mm. even though I'm quite interested in how much toilet paper is selling for on the share market at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. So your background in insurance, um, I've been talking to other insurance advisors and they'll be getting these phone calls from people asking if they've covered and what happens if this happened. Uh, People are obviously made redundant from work. What sort of feedback have you had in your industry?
1: Right, and and I've certainly um, reached out to senior underwriters across a a number of insurers. Um, I I guess typically that... um, the coronavirus um, type things of this world, by and large, in, in most people's um, personal cover, isn't covered. If we were to look at travel insurance, for instance, uh, I think it was going back to 2003 where the SARS thing was around. From that point in time particularly, um, uh, things like pandemics, um, Terrorist activities, civil wars have always been exempted, um, or it was not covered within travel insurance. In terms of having an enforced isolation period, um, what kind of cover do you have? By and large, you would have none. It would be, you know, are you normally covered if you take two weeks off work for a common cold? So, trauma cover is not going to cover you. If you have um, certain types of income or mortgage protection, you may be covered. If you've had, a, um, you've actually been diagnosed with a condition, you've had a potentially a, a hospital um, stay, and then you're convalescing. Some people's existing cover may cover that, but a lot of people, when they take out that cover to reduce premium costs, often might have a 30, 60, or 90-day wait period. And if you look at statistically, the the people who have contracted coronavirus um, from the time of uh, getting it to um, uh, recuperating is probably a lot less than 60 days. So even if you had certain types of income protection, you may well not covered because um, you haven't been sick for... Long enough. So, uh, one insurance underwriter said, um, "Mark, look, it's you know you're more likely to be um, run over by a car at the end of the road than you are to um, uh, die from coronavirus, let alone contract it." So, it's putting things in perspective, and and um, so insurance is not necessarily going to help you um, with those sorts of areas.
0: No, I think it was quite good. I think you've made your point. I think uh, we did a podcast on the virus uh, the other day, and it was the effects, uncertainty, and the fear. And basically, in your message, I think, if I was to put it in a nutshell, you're telling people, it's, it's, don't worry about the there's three aspects of it, but mainly you really want to focus on uh, not panicking and mm-hmm. use your good sound judgment and look out for your neighbor's Welfare.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, uh, unless we are forced to not meet socially, I, I think uh, groups like um, Elite Six are vital if you can get out and about and, and physically meet up with people. Because if we do get a community spread out there, what will happen is there will be lockdowns and there will be lockouts. So that will impact on schools, it will impact on cafes and bars, it will impact on shared workspaces, it will impact on um, internal travel and non-essential travel. So I think until we reach that time, and heaven forbid if we do, we should enjoy the the freedom that we still have, as long as we're sensible and take the necessary precautions. Yep,
0: so that's what I'm thinking, Um, it was quite good to talk this morning, provide a central place where people can meet if they want to uh encourage people to use technology Um, there's two bits of technology i think everyone should have on their phone at the moment uh, and that's zoom and also there's um slack Um, embrace technology a little bit try those devices out we had a meeting this morning we had six people who come physically and i think we had five or six people who Mm. zoomed into the meeting and it was of great value i'm pretty good with technology and i'm going to go back to the mill building and set up a central place where i can communicate we'll be posting blogs so tune in sorry not blogs posting podcasts and uh, trying to give some people some good sound practical advice the worst thing is look out for your neighbor and um, survive in the time like this and um, that's about it so thank you for tuning in it's been awesome thank thanks Danny. no worries thank you man